Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Is, um, is one of those things that is so formalized within so many church traditions. And, and even with I, INC, that as a, um, we came, I was brought up in a strict Baptist church um, background. And um, the, strict, the strict Baptist tradition has it that you can't have communion unless you're a member. You've got to do all sorts of things to be a member. I'm not sure what it is. It's probably like the Masons. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> so uh, you have to do all these things to be, to be a member. And so for the most part, most people are not. And therefore, they're not allowed to have communion. Um, and so we were never allowed. I don't think children would, would have been allowed anyway. And so we would never have been allowed. And then we went from that to a charismatic church environment where, where suddenly everyone, and they would have one cup. We're not going to pass this cup round, by the way, in case you were worried. And uh, they would have one cup and they would pass it around and everyone would sip from the same cup and you'd just see it getting sort of murkier as it went round. And you, you, the, the secret was being at the, the, at the beginning. And, uh, and that kind of sort of flipped my head. And we would just do it just more sort of occasionally. It wasn't like a, a set time within the month. And then when we came into INC, INC had communion every service. Uh, and uh, every, or every Sunday morning service. You didn't need communion in the evening. And uh, so, uh, so they would have. And, so, and, and, and the reality is that communion... In every church environment, it, there's, we have this ability to institutionalize something that Christ created as a fellowship meal and, and, and take out the liberty and the joy. And, and even within a church like this, it, it's so easy to step into the form, the function, um, because that's where our comfort is. Like church on a Sunday morning where we, we, we don't have such an intimate setting and it, it's, everything is kind of... It's comfortable. I know where I'm going to sit. I know where everyone else is going to sit. And, and uh, I know it's how it's going to work. And so it means your brain doesn't have to think about other things. It means you can switch off parts of your brain and just get on with church. And, and, um, but that comfortableness also puts you in a little bit of a, a state of not really just pushing into God. And, and I, I want us to understand that communion is a time, is one of the most powerful celebrations and yet so often diminished or or reduced down to when I say reduce it sounds like it's not special moments but we we bring it down to singular truths when communion is one of the most powerful things that you can undertake as a as a form as a function within the body of Christ as a church where we come together to 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 break the bread and drink the wine and I'm going to read to you um, the, the, the Luke's Gospel where Jesus sets out at the Passover meal. He sets out the, the breaking of the fulfillment of one tradition and the stepping into a, a new celebration that helps us to connect with Christ. And it's the Passover. The Passover gives way to communion. 
Um, in Luke's Gospel 22, verse 15 to 20, and it says there, and it says, then, they, then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, giving thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, Jesus says something interesting. He says that the Passover is fulfilled. He says here in, um, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So he's speaking of the Passover and the Passover has been celebrated for thousands of years, ever since Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And every time, they, every year, they would celebrate that Passover meal where they um, broke bread, they drank wine, and they did so standing up ready to leave, ready to leave um, Egypt and get out and, and enter into the promises that God had got for them. And, and there they were saved. At that Passover meal, they were saved for the angel uh, of death that came to destroy Egypt. Those who were under the covenant of bread, those who were under the covenant of the lamb, the blood of the lamb that was over their doorposts, were liberated from death and were able to leave. And so they've been celebrating the Passover for thousands of years, every year in remembrance of what God did to deliver them. But Jesus flips all of that and he says here, he says, let me read it to you again. For I say to you, I will no longer read until it's, it is fulfilled. So therefore the Passover wasn't just speaking of something they remembered. It was speaking of something that was to come. And they never saw that because they just had it as like Christmas. Like, you know, we remember Jesus was born. We, we, we look at it as a remembrance of something that happened 2,000 years ago. And we often think of communion as something that happened yeah. 2,000 years ago. We, yeah. It's something that happened. And so we, we're going to do this in remembrance. But Jesus is saying this Passover meal is now going to be fulfilled. So this is the last Passover before the Passover has done its purpose. In other words, if it's to be fulfilled, then the meal that they were having was continually speaking and bringing forward the day that Christ would come to give his life. Because if it's to be fulfilled, it had intentionality about it. Not just a memory It was therefore an intention. When they had the Passover, it was to bring forth something. They didn't understand that, but every time they had a Passover, it brought them that little bit closer to Christ coming to give his life. And so Jesus says, I've given my life, I'm giving my life that this may be fulfilled. And when he gives his life, he does so 
so that we are able to step into a, a step into his promises and begin to participate in a communion and in a fellowship that is going to be doing the same thing as the Passover. So when Jesus, he came and he, and he broke the bread and he begins to speak of a meal that is a celebration. He begins to speak of something of remembrance and he comes and he gives his life. And as he does so, he begins to speak of this powerful moment of remembrance. But suddenly now we realize he's just said the Passover is being fulfilled. Therefore, the Passover speaks of something future, not just past. Then he says, do this in remembrance of me. Are you with me? So clearly he's speaking of something that's, that will be of something past, but has an intentionality of what something it brings to the future. So every time we have communion, we're not just remembering what he did. We're remembering and we're speaking forth and prophesying of what he is doing. Are you with me here? Go back, go back with me. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, I need you to understand this, that the kingdom was established upon the cross. In the kingdom of God, the moment Christ gave his life, the kingdom of God took ownership upon the earth. It took ownership. Remember that God had placed in the hands of man ownership of creation. And man, through deceit, had been conned out of it. Like con men knocking on old people's door, taking away their wealth. <laughs> I take it, so what happened to my parents. They took away tens of thousands of pounds. Con men coming to take and the enemy came and knocked on Adam's door mm-hmm. and and through deceit and Adam's ignorance deceived Adam and Eve and they gave away the reign of this earth but God said I'm establishing my kingdom and my kingdom will be established here yeah. on earth yeah. it shall be this life shall have God's name written all over it. He shall be the king of all that we do and say. He shall be the center. And so he says here that the kingdom, that the, the Passover is going to be fulfilled in the kingdom. Now, if all we do is something, we do it for remembrance. If all we're doing is remembering what he did, then we, we achieve very little. Yeah. All right? If all I do is remember, it achieves very little. But if by remembering I speak of my future, mm-hmm. I fulfill everything. Yeah. You, rem- you get this? Yeah. If all I'm doing is, is, is eating and going, Jesus died for my sins. And, and if he died for my sins, that's wonderful. I appreciate that. But... I'm going to show you why we don't really want to even think about that. 
in a moment, I'm going to go there. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're sitting there going, what, you, you can't say that. We, that's what Easter's all about. <laughs> Remembering your sins. I don't think so. See, Jesus took this cup. Now, before he had broken the bread, he took this cup. He says, then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. What that means is that they didn't all drink from the same cup, right? (laughs) (laughs) For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now, Jesus, he's... He wants them to understand the power of communion. And he's bringing forth this this allegory that he needs them to see and understand it of what he's doing. And he says, I won't drink of the vine. Now, after he'd had this discussion and they'd broken bread and Judas had left the table and gone gone off to arrange for... for Christ's betrayal he's now left with the 11 and he begins to talk with them and in John 15 this is what he says to them in John 15 he's, he says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may be bear, may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And Jesus says, look, I'm not drinking of the, the vine. I won't drink of this again until the kingdom of God is fulfilled. And because he's saying, I won't drink of the vine because he is the vine. See, Jesus is speaking of the life that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And when, so when we come to drink, of the vine we come and we speak not just the price he paid but we speak of a victory that empowers us to be united with him he says for I am in you and you are in me because we are the branches of the vine because he's the vine and the fruit that comes from the vine is the life of Christ. He died upon the cross and his blood was shed representing the blood representing it was an allegory of the the it was an allegory of the of the um his the the, the grapes the the wine was an allegory of, of his blood upon the cross. And so when he when he gave his life his blood was shed 
so that as we drink of the vine, we are speaking over ourselves the life and the power of Jesus Christ. Now, we are speaking a future. Now, I, I, I want you to see this because then he goes on and he breaks the bread. And I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 10. Because when he broke, his, broke the bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as he broke the bread and he blessed it, he blessed the bread and he spoke a blessing over it. And he broke it. <laughs> Exercise more. <laughs> and he, he broke it open to declare and to reveal the nature and the brokenness of his, of his nature. And it says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, it says, by that, we, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Now, remember I said this. We didn't come here to remember our sin, right? We came here to thank Christ for the price he's paid, right? We came to thank him for the price he's paid, not to talk about the sin that's been washed away, right? Because that speaks, every time we do that, that speaks of old covenant. Because the priest went year by year to offer sacrifices because the sacrifice was never enough, so they had to repeat the whole process. Yeah. They keep having to tell the same story. But it says here, and every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. With communion, we step in. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of what? The, the, The price he's paid? Yes, but more than the price he's paid... The offering that he has opened up to us that empowers us to live the perfected life. For they have been made, what? Perfect. We have been. Now, I know you're thinking about yourself, thinking, well, I don't feel perfect. Well, that's good. Um, (laughs) We'd all be a little worried if you did, right? (laughs) But... While we know our humanity, we must not let our humanity be the voice that determines our attitude, but the promise that comes from what Jesus Christ has just achieved upon the cross. For we have been made perfect forever, those who are being sanctified. You think you're going to be made perfect when you get into heaven. Forget it. You've been made perfect now. You have been been perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. So here is the prophecy of communion. Communion speaks of the perfection 
and the process of sanctification. So I've already been made perfect and now I'm being sanctified. You've got to get your head around that one. Here's the deal. I've spoken about this before. In um, my daughter-in-law, Josephine, it's, um, she is a first-year doctor, a, a junior doctor, uh, and her desire is to do orthopedics, um, which is basically hip bone is connected to the leg bone. <laughs> and, the <laughs> and, and so... So it's the and and when they're doing orthopedics, they they have to you know bend people's arms and legs and pop joints out and etc. And and then they have to get the saw out and the drill and the sander and the plane and all of those like this. And they have all these woodworking tools made by Black and Decker. Black and Decker tools are in the operating. I've got Bosch. I think that that would work as well, Lynn. I think that I could do that, right? So the drill is made perfect. But then, before it's brought in, it then goes to a place to be sanctified. It goes to a place to be made usable for the purpose that it's been called to do. And here's the amazing, see, it's been built, it's a drill, there's nothing wrong with the drill. Now it needs to be taken to a place where it, it is, what's the word? It, it's sanitized, yeah. It's where it's been sanitized so that it's suitable for drilling through your hip bone, right? Now, God has called us and made us perfect. The process of what is going through our lives is that he is now sanctifying us, setting us apart so that we are capable of doing the jobs that he's called us to do. And so communion doesn't just speak of our brokenness far more. It speaks of our wholeness and the power of what he is doing in our lives, bringing us forward, not just perfect, but sanctified. Capable of doing the job that he's called us to do. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he said before this, the covenant that I will make with them. The covenant, this is a covenant meal. This is the covenant. The covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds and I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. He has no record of the mistakes you keep remembering. When we come to that place of communion, come on, let's. Stop remembering who we were because Christ has no idea what you're talking about. It's all good. He's, he's, I, he goes, I don't know. I, they, they're talking about stuff. I'm lost. I, I've not got a clue. I, I should have been listening before, perhaps. I don't know. I, I was distracted by somebody else talking about something else. I don't know what they were talking about either. 
we need to come back to this place because the Bible says that as we participate in the covenant, he writes something in our hearts. And here's the miracle of salvation, that when we give our lives to him, we participate in the bread and in the wine and God writes in your heart this word. Many people go, oh, I don't know the word of God. Let me tell you something. You have to understand, you've got to get this revelation. You know the word of God because it's been written in you. Now, you need to read the Word of God, but every time you read the Word of God, have you noticed that every time you read it, something clicks on the inside and you go, I know that is true. Yeah. Every time you hear a revelation from the preacher, every time you say, even if I've said something this, this evening that you've not maybe heard before, you've never heard that, but something on the inside goes, yes, that's true. How on earth would you know it's true? Yeah. But you know it because it's what's been written in your heart as it's been written in ours too. He says, their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a, a true heart. Full of assurance of faith. Having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. So here we see this. We come with the communion. We come with the bread. This was Jill's bread, by the way. <laughs> she go, I said, Jill, have we got a loaf of bread? She goes, no, it's already broken up. She says, but I've got some in the car. I'll have that, I said. <laughs> this is probably her tea. <laughs> it's all right. Well, you can have it after, Jill. <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot better because it's blessed, right? <laughs> and you see, when Christ gave us this covenant meal... He gave us the capability of coming into the Holy of Hollers, coming to the mercy seat. Now, what's at the mercy seat? It's all the mercy. There's no hindrance. The people were shut outside. They had no access to the mercy. Only one high priest was capable of standing there in the presence of the glory of the fullness of God. And yet now, because of this covenant, because of what he placed upon the cross, because of the vine and the blood that flowed from the vine, his blood, he is the vine and we are the branches. We have access to the Father who brings us into a place of deliverance brings us into a place of healing and restoration, brings us into a place of fullness where we're capable of receiving everything that is placed upon us. I wish I could communicate more clearly how much God has done for us and how much we can live in. I get the feeling we are just, just 
scratching the surface of the depth of what God wants us to live in. The miracles, the supernatural provision, the breakthrough, the favor to do mighty things for God. I wonder whether we can raise a generation in this time where we are so caught up, we're so caught up by the wonder and by the the revelation of this covenant that our faith is electrified and we start believing a life that God promises and stop diminishing and keeping it into a neat little uniform institutionalized package but breaking free having communion one with another having it as often as we can blessing one another with the bread and the wine and coming together and declaring God's covenant grace over us because every time we do we speak of our future we speak of our future Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.